clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Doc, I missed you. How's it going? Uh, you know, it's been a week. It's, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been kind of crazy. It's a little stressful, yeah. you know, but we're all hanging in there. We're getting through, so. Bit by bit, Doc. And, uh, you know, like I said in our last, you know, well, our repeat episode of last week was just about one America, everybody, and be kind to one another. Keep pushing forward, right, Doc? Yes, yes. Let's keep pushing forward. (laughs) Welcome back, folks, to the University of Pleasure. We are back with a new episode, some new topics after our socially distanced Halloween bonanza extravaganza. (laughs) And then at the same point in time, the election, which, of course, exhausted everybody on all sides and all parties. And we're still a little tired and we're still (laughs) waiting, I think, for whatever these results may be, whatever your political affiliations are. And I'm sure as a doc, it's been I mean, you must be like destroyed tired. I'm so tired. (laughs) I'm so tired. (laughs) Just like. I mean, are you on everybody's speed dial? Or are they just like, it I don't is, know what's it, happening? 20, 2020 has been a rough year for people. Yeah. So uh, it's been an interesting year to be a therapist. That is most certainly true. Well, I I think you're a rock star. I say it all the time. I tell people when they listen to the podcast, I'm like, listen, she is a rock star. She helps so many people. And yet still makes time to come here and help our millions and millions of fans all over the world. (laughs) And so. All in silent. All those silent millions. (laughs) Listen, you don't know. You don't know. Check the data, Doc. Check the data. Millions. I think I I think I I think I do check the data. I think we have a different math count on the I data. I don't know. I think it's Maybe millions. Maybe we interpret data differently. Listen, I was never As in, in I look at it and actually interpret it, and then you think about it, you think about looking at it, and then assume? Is that... That's basically what I've always done my entire life. <laughs> I think... I'm thinking about doing this homework. I'm thinking about this homework. You know what? I still, to this day, think to myself, if I will it into existence, that it will happen. Like that I'll just come in and those emails will be sent and the data will be looked at and then I will download it. But it never quite works out that way. So I just make it up and that's okay. So millions and millions of fans all over the world. (laughs) Uh, We will agree to disagree on that's okay. That's fine. (laughs) That's That's a good way to be, Doc. We can agree to disagree. I respect you. And it's fine, even though I'm right. Anyway, the point is we have some new topics today. This one is interesting. Not that ours aren't on the other podcast episodes we've done. But this one is interesting because I think this is something that people run into all the time. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty common one. Down. This has like got to be one of the most common ones we've done. Right? 
yeah, I mean, this is a this is a frequent a frequent flyer issue in terms of like conflict and things that can come up or just trickiness around this. All right. Here we go. Just friends or friends with an F. The sticky situation of friendship, sex and gender expectations. Ooh, yeah. OK, yeah. I want to be very clear here. We're not talking friends with benefits. We've talked about that in past episodes. This is a very different thing um, because when the doc first sent me this and then we started going through it, she was like, I was like, didn't we do this episode already? And she was like, no. Did you even <laughs> read past the title? I'm like, of course I didn't. I don't believe in it. I, it's like yeah. well, Tropic Thunder. I don't read the script. Prepara script. Preparation. A fool's errand. That's right. Per Jeremiah. No, I mean, I'm better off the cuff. I feel more free. I don't like being tethered down by, by you know, minutiae. By accuracy. Correct. That's why you're here. You're here for accuracy. Critical I'm thinking. here for the everyman. You know what I mean? Sometimes. Um, okay. <laughs> so this is very different. Explain a little bit of the difference of why it's not friends with benefits and why this is an important, very common topic. Yeah. I mean, I don't know necessarily that this is like, I think you could certainly argue that the <laughs> that friends with benefits is in the uh, the constellation of this issue, right? Because there are, are so many dilemmas that come with friendships and sex, right? Yeah. And today... Uh, the ones that we're we're going to focus in on a couple specific dilemmas, right? So, okay. you know, friends with benefits, that's another sort of iteration of a dilemma that can come with friendships. But we've sex. already cured that in the world, so it's fine. I don't I think we've cured it. We've had I felt a like we cured it. It's fine. Introductory dialogue okay. uh, around it. But um, today, right, the the stuff that I want to cue into is like, OK, so you'll often hear things like people say, like, Men and women can't be friends, right? I mm -hmm. mean, it's literally the entire plot of When Harry Met Sally right. and like 9,000 other romantic comedies, right? Like, oh, two people that are, you know, attracted to each other, try to be friends, and then it just never works out and they automatically end up having sex and having a romantic relationship, right? Right. I mean, and I think what that is, is this idea, like when they say, like when people say men and women can't be friends, it's really just shorthand for this belief that people can't be friends with someone who is a gender that they are attracted to or oriented to. Got it. And I want to note it in that way, right? Because when we say things like men and women can't be friends, that's a pretty heterocentric idea. So heterocentric meaning, right, it's, it just assumes that everyone's heterosexual. And if everyone just stays friends with their own gender, then no problems will arise. Right. <laughs> which, right. <laughs> which is a little asinine. That's and, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, not very likely because this isn't just a straight people issue, right? This is an issue across sexual orientations. And obviously lots of people have lots of different uh, sexual orientations and genders they're attracted to. But really, it's more having this dialogue about like when you are trying to be friends with someone who is a gender that you're attracted to, um, the problems that can arise in that, maybe not only just within the friendship itself, but we'll go deeper into this one later into the uh, to the episode. But when you have a partner, right, Ooh. when you already have an existing partner. Yeah, that can be tricky. Mm hmm. Yeah, because I mean, this this can create a lot of struggles for people, right? Like it can create problems in creating and keeping friendships. You know, there can be problems with partner jealousy or insecurity. And, you know, I mean, ultimately, sometimes it can keep people from having friendships 
with others that might actually add a lot of quality, you know, to their lives. And so it's, it's sort of a big one and it comes up a lot in a lot of different ways, but in order to sort of set up what we're talking about, I wanted to give an example. A friend of mine gave me permission to use his kind of story a little bit. Okay. So you don't need a story from me. That's fine. I'll, you know, I'm, I'm presuming you'll give us lots of your own stories anyway, Jeremiah. You I don't presume you correct. Can, yeah, I don't know that you could help yourself. I in can't. That, so we'll... <laughs> it's part of my design. Yeah, well, good. Great. So, uh, but for now, we'll talk about someone else, not you. Is that okay? Uh, I mean, it won't be as interesting, but go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll do our best, I guess. Um, <laughs> so this uh, friend of mine, right, he's, um, he identifies as straight. He's uh in his early forties, right? I would I would describe him as a pretty pretty stereotypically attractive man. One might call him classically handsome. Like right? myself. So you're talking is this a story about me? Did I tell you this, this story? It's not remember when I said that we're gonna talk about things not you for a little bit? Okay. I I just really sounded like you were describing me. It's fine. Continue. Well, that's, okay. All right. Great. Um was it the classically handsome part? So many I mean, yeah, of course. Okay. Just You're looking at me right now over camera. Classically handsome. Okay. Well, we can talk about that off, off, <laughs> off oh, episode. Yeah, now you're making it awkward. Okay. <laughs> um, but this friend of mine, um, we were chatting not that long ago and he was talking about, um, just being really bummed out because, you know, he was talking about having a really hard time having some friendships and building friendships with people. And he was talking about how, you know, through his life, he's actually, you know, had kind of a hard time, um, having strong friendships with men as he really actually tends to get along much better with women and finds himself feeling a lot closer to women in friendships, but that it's been really hard for him for two reasons. One being that sometimes he might develop a friendship with a woman and she might end up, you know, developing feelings for him. And that can sort of mm, torpedo the relationship. I'm sorry. Are you sure you're not describing me? I'm sorry. I don't (laughs) positive, Jeremiah. I really, you're going to have to practice just sort of letting things be about others. Okay. (laughs) All right. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, Back with your story that's clearly not about me. Clearly not about you. Right. Or the other dilemma that would occur is that he would try to, that some of his friends that were women had existing partners. And those partners, if these women were attracted to men, right, the partners of these women would start to get uncomfortable with them having a friendship with him. And so the friendship would have to end because, you know, maybe, you know, one of his friends had uh, one of his female friends had a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a partner that started to find him, you know, to be a threat in some kind of way. Got it. And that's a really good example of actually a common problem that people will come in and talk about. And from kind of both perspectives, one might be, I'm having a really hard time being friends with, you know, the people I want to be friends with because of sort of like gender expectations and these sort of like odd gender rules that we often have about like who gets to be friends with who. And then this sort of secondary struggle around like, We tend to have this also unspoken set of rules around like, you know, being friends with somebody that's in an existing relationship, specifically if you might be like, like, and I'm not going to lie. I do think that this is probably happens and this is completely anecdotal. I do not have any data on this. Right. But I I do see it happening more when there's like in a like straight married 
sort of situation, right? Where sure, let's say sure. you have a straight married couple and someone's like, oh, my husband is going to go hang out with his friend Jan, right? Like outside of work or whatever on the weekend, right? That That's a pretty atypical thing that might occur or can be really threatening. Right. Yeah. Am I making sense so far? No, you're 100% making sense. And I would have to agree with you because I would talk to my friends uh, who are gay or in gay couples. That's not something I've, I've in conversations that we've had that I've they've told me that is an issue. Um, and maybe that's because that and again, I have no idea, Doc. I mean, I'm just talking here. But, you know, I'm thinking that, you know, maybe it's because they're more free and they, you know, they I don't know. But it's not something that I but I hear it all the time from my friends who are a straight couple you know, heterosexual couple, and they'll be like, I don't know how I feel about this. He's going to go out with his friend Julia, and they're going to go see a football game together. I mean, I understand I'm not really into football. And then, you know, but he, I want to let them do that. But it, it causes a lot of strife, I've come to find, in, in straight couples. I've been very lucky in my life because, you know, my ex-wife was always very understanding about my best friend being a woman. I, I have a lot of friends who are women. I think it's because I grew up with a mom and two sisters and I, you know, I was with ladies all the time and I always felt very comfortable around women. And so this isn't some, I mean, but I've run into some of these problems in the past, but I would totally agree with you that I think it's a lot, I'm sure you see it's a lot of straight couples. Um, you know. Yeah. I mean, I have absolutely seen this become an issue across sexual orientations and genders, but there do seem to be much more rules around sort of like heterosexual and particularly you put marriage yes. in there as well, Agreed. Agreed. right? When it's like, what are husbands allowed to do with other people's wives and what are wives allowed to do with other people's husbands? Right. Does that right. make sense? Yep. And again, I, I've certainly actually had uh, queer couples, lesbian couples, gay couples, right? Kind of that this stuff has shown up for as well. So I don't want to be reductionistic and be like, that's not something I'm that not, happens. I totally agree with but, you. We're not saying that it but, doesn't happen. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I'm just saying from personal experience in my own personal data finding that it is usually I've come to find that I hear it a lot from my straight couple friends who are in marriages or very long-term relationships about like what is cool if you're going out with somebody who's you know the opposite sex and you know uh it can get complicated you know where it's yeah. continue yeah. i'm sorry well, I, mean, I didn't mean to interrupt your flow continue <laughs> no, and that's although earlier if we can just like really rewind back you said something that i want to put on a t-shirt for you which was i don't know i'm just talking here <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I could sum Jeremiah James up with like a, a catch, like a just a phrase, like a philosophical life phrase. Yeah. I don't really know. I'm just talking here. That's, that <laughs> is, I think, going to be my first T-shirt. The quote, Jeremiah James. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just talking here. It's okay. a real. It's a life. It's really less. A, it's it's less just a, a like more a life approach, really. Yeah. It appears. Yeah. I mean, listen, sums me up right on the money. Yeah. And I appreciate you seeing it, Doc, and seeing me for who I truly am. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no problem. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we can get back on topic. I just I just really didn't feel like I could let that one slide, that opportunity slide by me. So, no. so okay. All right. Let's get back on track here, Doc. Okay. All right. So, explain some theories. Even though I love that it was about me, you made it about me personally. I didn't even make it about me. You made it about me. And that quote, thank you very much for bringing it full circle. Anyway, back to what we're talking about. 
what what do you see as the problem? What what can we do here, Doc? Well, yeah, I mean, if we were, like, you know, always I'm like, well, let's first understand maybe why it's a problem. Although in this one, I'm going to be real, you know, honestly, it's more typically the case. But like, I don't really know exactly. Right. Because like everything else that we talk about on this show, like because it's complicated. Right. Like this is a really complicated thing. Right. I think that one of the probably core issues that's at hand until in terms of like, why does this stuff tend to get so messy is that, you know, as humans, uh, not robots, uh, we are generally not great at controlling our feelings, right? So sometimes we have this tendency to develop romantic or sexual feelings when we don't want to, or sometimes we have a tendency to get jealous or feel threatened when we don't want to. I mean, in general, I think one of the main issues is that, you know, a lot of us maybe want to have a particular emotional experience around something. And we're like, Hey, I'm going to go into this circumstance and I'm going to feel way A, B or C or D. And then we get there and we're like, ah, shit. Right. (laughs) That didn't work out quite how I planned. That did not go according to plan. So part of it is like, I think just our basic humanity and the fact that we have a really hard time, you know, kind of controlling our emotions around certain things. But I think the bigger issue is often, I mean, that's just like part of the human experience, right? But I think that the part or the, one of the bigger issues is that there tends to be a, a lot of ambiguity about kind of what the quote unquote rules are in terms of friendships. What's interesting is we Mm. often have a lot more like sort of set rules about how you're supposed to act in romantic relationships, but friendships are like a little bit more like wild, wild west in terms of how people are supposed to behave. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. for instance, if you think about friendships, some friendships might include uh, flirting and cuddling, right? Or like, you know, some friendships are like super platonic. They're all like, I don't know, like bro hugs and high fives. You know, like there's this really like, or just like we sit across the dinner from each other and sip espresso. And like, you know, we have very serious philosophical dialogue. There's just so much variability. Right. I totally agree with you. I mean, it's like, listen, well, first of all, I mean, you know, Obviously, I'm in a more progressive relationship, so like these aren't necessarily that you know our rules are very clearly defined, right? But you know, in 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 I would say more traditional. I mean, you tell me if I'm saying something wrong. I know you will, but you know, more traditional relationships. Those I think it's a little more ambiguity in in the rules. Like things aren't really often set. Sometimes they don't really talk about it. I mean, is that something that we would you know like recommend to our millions of fans out there? Like, hey, you know, maybe. Would we recommend that people communicate in yeah. their relationships? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we would. Excellent. <laughs> I, think, I think we've like maybe mentioned that before a few yeah, times. Communication is key. Yeah. So and we'll we can talk more, you know, later on about maybe some things to try or do. But in terms of understanding the problem, I mean, this idea of like, why do we care about whether something's ambiguous or not? Well, ambu- ambiguity creates anxiety, right? Yes, it like does. when people. When people don't like people like structure for a reason, right, because it gives them something to ground to. I mean, like if you question whether or not you're uncomfortable with ambiguity, just ask yourself, how have I been doing this year? Right. Yes. <laughs> how, have I, how have I been feeling this year when there uh, it's hard to predict outcomes of certain things and there's not a lot of answers and there's more questions than answers. Right. Like we've all been living between the election and covid and all of these things in this really intense state of ambiguity. And it's yep. been very anxiety provoking. Absolutely. So ambiguity like doesn't really 
give us anything to ground to. And so it can create a lot of distress. And I think that there is a lot of ambiguity around like what what are the rules of friendship supposed to look like? And that's ambiguity for the people in the friendship sometimes, right? And that sometimes can be ambiguity for a partner, right? That's worried about a friendship that their partner is in or maybe wants to be in. Right. Um, and the other big issue is we have also convinced people that it can't work, that people that are maybe attracted to one another can't be friends. So it also tends to put people more on edge. Yeah, I and totally frankly, agree with that. And that and that something really annoys me. Like I get really frustrated by that. You know, especially like if, if something goes wrong and then people go, see, you know, you why you know you can't be friends with people you're attracted to or whatever. I'm like, that's an, you know, shit happens, man. Some I mean sometimes you'd be I could be friends with, you know, another dude and, and things break down. Like, you know, and well it's a higher probability that it would happen because it's a somebody might be attracted to it. It's like I'm, you know what? Get off. And I'm gonna, I'm excited that the doc is going to explain more about this because it annoys me, doc, and I want it <laughs> solved. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's I think it's the interesting thing is it's really frustrating for a lot of people. But we also like for whatever reason, sort of follow some of these like these what would I call them? Like sort social of norms. beliefs. Yeah. These social. Thank you, Jeremiah. That's a better phrase. Yeah. Social norms around much. some of this stuff. Um, but, you know, just to like, because you know me, I get finicky about language. It would probably be fair to say, like, not just being friends with people you're attracted to, but people that you that you're seen as having the potential to be attracted. to. There you go. That's right. Good. That's a clarification. That's a good one. Right. Because sometimes uh, you may not be attracted to them right away, but other people or even yourself might know that there's some type of potential for that. And it's that potential that actually can feel confusing or threatening. All right. So then I think when we come back, the doc is going to cure this for the world. <laughs> no. <laughs> when we come back. And we're back. And as promised, the doc is going to cure the world. Right, doc? No, that was absolutely not my promise and was an ill-advised promise of yours. You know, Doc, sometimes you should just roll with me. You should just trust in my judgment. I would be, ter I would be terrified as to what would happen in my career if I just rolled with <laughs> Jeremiah. So, no, I the answer to with that Jeremiah, is... A guy who makes statements like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just talking here. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Just trust so, in me. <laughs> so, um, all right, so we're back The guy here. that said, I don't really look at the data. I just make numbers up. <laughs> So, no is the answer, but let's move along. All right. People are going to really think I'm that way all the time. I'm really not all the time that way. Sometimes I check the data. Sometimes. Your silence is deafening, <laughs> by the way. Okay. Here we are. We're back. The doc is not going to cure the world, but we only have so much time here. So how do we narrow this down? Because it's a big topic. So we need to siphon it down a little bit, Doc, to make yeah, it. Which I'm know. typically terrible at. Yes, but um, I'm, I mean, I'm super bad at it. But... I know. Trust <laughs> me. I, think it's I spend all hours editing out things. It just goes on <laughs> and on and on. How much of it is just you, though? I mean, I don't edit anything that I do because my the brilliance shines through. That. I noticed that when I listened to them, That's I'm right. like, man, didn't I say some? Didn't I say like actual like things that were like you know like 
research-based points that I wrote down. I'm like, weird, it's still Jeremiah making that same joke. What happened? <laughs> I swear I I swear I said something informative and, you know, from and an educated standpoint. Really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so do your best to siphon it in, Doc, because we've got yeah, a limited we'll time frame most... and we don't want to overwhelm people's brains. And again, folks, there'll be times when we come back to a topic to give it a little bit more depth. But, you know, it's only so much the brain can take in a 45-minute to an hour podcast. You know what I mean? So here we go. Doc's going to siphon it down for us. Um, yeah, well, I think the most useful area – sorry, I was really <laughs> – suppressing my urge when you're like there's only so much the brain can take i wanted to be like well there's only so much you like can take so oh. yeah <laughs> damn I just, damn I, clearly i wasn't able to suppress it well enough you okay. couldn't clearly because you just said it <laughs> you're like you know i'm really kind all week and then i just i get here with you and it's just like i appreciate it it's, it's very therapeutic for me just to really <laughs> i am so glad that i could be the one then you're like, I don't got to be nice to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the freedom that I feel with you, Jeremiah, the freedom not to be kind to you. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. People think I must think I'm so mean. OK, Um. so anyways, right. I think that the area to really focus in on that would probably be most helpful would be this when it comes up in partnerships. And I say that because, frankly, that's where I see it actually creating the biggest set of problems for people. Right. Is uh, and in multiple directions. Right. Where one person is feeling like they just need more friendships in their life and they're feeling really restrained by their partner in that capacity or the partner is really struggling with a lot of like fear or insecurity about their partner having friendships. It's actually, frankly, a common thing that will come up in couples therapy. I can imagine that it would be. Yeah, it's a common issue. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, right, I think part of this comes out of there's this like odd unspoken set of rules like that you you just shouldn't be friends with someone's partner, you know, or sorry, that you just shouldn't be friends with someone like if you're in a partnership and if you have the potential of being attracted to that person. And, you know, there are these odd situations, I don't know odd, but like there, interestingly, there are some situations where it seems a little bit more acceptable. And like one of those things is like, it seems like it's more acceptable, acceptable when there's some type of structure to it. Right. Like how many people have talked about having, like, I have a work wife, a work husband, right? Yeah. Like I have a work, husband. Yeah. Yeah. Like work seems to be an area where there seems to be a little bit more acceptability around it. Right. Except interestingly, if you take it out of the work context, right, like where someone's like, oh, like, you know, I hang out with Joe at work. We chat at work about a lot of stuff. But, you know, if you were to be like, hey, you know, Joe and I are going to go golfing on a Saturday in this very unstructured way, that would suddenly maybe start to feel much more threatening or frankly, a lot more odd. Right. Right. right it's right, sort right. of like if it stays within the confines of that context is totally fine. But if it's outside of that context, it can start to be a little yeah, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Because then it's like, well, wait a minute. That, you know, that work person is now bleeding into our everyday life. Right. I think people, I think work allows people to sort of compartmentalize yep, a little agreed. bit more easily. Emotional. I was going to use that word too. Compartmentalize. Yeah, I was. Great. Uh, good. <laughs> good to know. Um, I also think that, you know, there are other structures too, right? Like maybe somebody's in like a running club or like in a class, right? Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. when there's some type of like, 
activity, it seems like, or, you know, a softball league, like, and as long as it stays within the context of that structure, it often doesn't create as much conflict. But, you know, the other sort of area where it seems a little bit more socially acceptable is if there's like a mutual friendship, right? So like, there is a reason that people loves couple dates, right? Like, hey, we'll go on a Yeah, it feels safe. You can watch what the other person is doing, you know, Mm -hmm, and like, mm -hmm. but, but interestingly, like a lot of times on couples dates, it's sometimes two people that are friends and then their partners being like, why do we have to come? (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Why do I have to be there? (laughs) And, and, you know, and sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with the topic that we're talking about, but a lot of times it does. Right. Like, sure. Like. We have to be there for this, like, almost, like, odd social dance, like, to, like, put on some performance that, like, hey, like, there's nothing weird going on here. Don't worry about it. Right. And I, and I think that that, um, is just a really interesting sort of social phenomenon that occurs, um, you know, and, and these things, right, when you start to take it out of these contexts, start to make people, because of this phenomenon, really uncomfortable. Got it. And really sometimes very anxious. And, you know, I've had a lot of dialogues with people where somebody might be saying, like, you know, like, you know, my friend that I brought up earlier, where they're saying something like, you know, I also, oh, side note, it is also much more threatening if the person that someone wants to be friends with is single. Yeah, of course. Of course it is. Because then it's like, you know, I mean, there's some sort of like, again, compartmentalization of, well, I mean, nothing would ever happen. He's married to so-and-so or she's married to so-and-so. And, you know, therefore, you know, you're safe. A little bit more safety. It's like, you know, bumper bowling. Like, it'll stay in the lane. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it is like bumper bowling. Um, But... Even though, like, you know, you said, don't make it about me, but I, I have been in situations like this, okay? I was with somebody who was an extremely jealous person in general in our relationship, and I think I've talked about it before, but there was a very specific time where I started becoming friends with a woman who was a very attractive woman. She was uh, single, and we met through work, and uh, we just were buddies. Like, she, you know, was... Uh, just like somebody I would go and have drinks with and we'd talk about life and, you know, just, you know, like she was like a guy buddy that happened to be a very beautiful woman, you know, and that was it, you know. And my partner was just not okay with it. just she just was very threatened by her, did not like it. And she was like, now this work person's a part of your regular life. And then funny enough, when she then got a boyfriend and it became very serious for them very fast. They fell madly in love and actually now are married, ironically. Um, but, you know, it really, my partner at the time, and this was many, many years ago, literally was like, oh, well, you can go hang out with her. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> and it was like kind of out of the blue. Like there was no discussion, obviously, because I wasn't as communicative as I am nowadays. But she just was like out of the blue. She's like, I was like already to like have another fight about like I'm going to go have a beer and watch football with my friend who I know you don't want me to go do that with. And literally, she I'll never forget. She's sitting on the couch. She's watching TV. And I'm like, OK. And I'd prepped it in my head like how I was going to say what I was, you know, approach the topic and was like, so I'm going to go and watch the football game with Arizona. And literally like it was nothing. She was like, OK, have a great time. 
And I was like, what, 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 what? Like, <laughs> wait a minute. Why am I not being yelled at? Is this a trick? You know, like, am I? And then literally I, I did and I thought about it. And I was really distracted when we were having our drinks and watching the football game. And I got back home and she was relaxing again still and just, you know, doing little bits and bobs around the house. And I said, hey, so I just want to talk to you about this. I was just curious. Like, you were really a, not a big deal that I went out with, you know, so-and-so again. And she went, well, she's in love now. And I was like, huh? Well, she's in love. I mean, so I don't have to worry about her taking you from me or, you know, this or whatever. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I got it. It's now like a safety net kind of a thing. Like, you know, now she's like I was saying bumper bowling, you know, now it'll stay in the lane. It won't ever fall in the gutter. By the way, I just made that up right now, falling in the gutter, like as if it was a thing that I read to, in a meme. You don't have to explain it. You I just think it. it's a really great metaphor personally because, like, if it's got bumpers and you're bumping okay. off the bumpers, it stays in the lane. But if you take the bumpers away, it could fall in the gutter. And when people sometimes reference sex and, and affairs, it kind of go oh, in, my. your mind goes in the gutter. You follow what I'm saying? I think I'm onto something here. I'm going to make um, a meme about this or something. I think it's really, I think I'm do really. Do you want to continue with what you were saying? <laughs> okay. Anyway, the point is that, you know, all of a sudden she felt safe and then all four of us would go out and then she felt even more safe and I could go hang out with her anytime I wanted. And, you know, but it was because all of a sudden she was in love with somebody else and in, in my partner at the time's mind, that then made it safe. Right. And you know what's really interesting? Like, so that's actually... Thank you, Jeremiah. That's You're a really welcome. good example. I mean, I hope that you will cut out all the part about the bumper bowling, but that example um, no. was uh, very helpful. Um, only because like one of the things that I think you just sort of identified. Because um, I'm is, a genius was what you're going to say next. No, what I was going Should've. to say is that one of the things that you identified is how we often attach to these certain illusions of safety. And what I mean by an illusion of safety is like that the one example you just gave is a really good one. Oh, she has a partner now. That makes me feel safer. And in true reality, in, if you and your friend would have really wanted to be sexual or be together, right, whether this person did or didn't have a partner, probably didn't technically actually make your partner any more or less safe, right? Correct. But her... But her having a partner or finding a new boyfriend or whatever, right, getting with someone new and falling in love created an illusion of safety. Right. And we often attach to those illusions, right? Like, for instance, hey, if they only hang out at work, then nothing bad will happen. <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing. I mean, I've seen plenty of movies, you know, in the copy room. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh, okay. Or if they only are in this one space or if I'm always with them. Right. Right. If we're always together and we only do stuff as a couple, then it'll be okay and nothing bad will happen. And those are often illusions of safety. And now I'm not saying that in judgment because frankly, those, you know, sometimes those illusions are what allow us to like get okay with something, right? And we right, all right, right. attach to those. That's a common thing. So that's not necessarily like, oh, why would someone ever do that, right? Like it's a thing that we do often. But a lot of times when people are really struggling with insecurity, right? It's not mild. It's like, a high level that's actually starting to create problems, sometimes it, starting to think about some of those illusions and actually starting to maybe challenge some of those uh, can be helpful, right? Yeah. Like, because there's so much, like I said, like earlier, like I, this is a really complicated. <laughs> yeah. This is a really, it's really complicated. Com it is complicated, but I can fix it all right now. So just step into Jeremiah's office for a minute. 
and I think the doc is totally going to agree with me. If you just sleep with that person, get it <laughs> off your chest, everything will be fine. And it just opens the door. You know what I mean? Then it becomes this thing, you know, don't you think, doc? <laughs> I mean, I know you're joking, but there is a small part of me that's really worried you're not. <laughs> <laughs> The answer to that would be, no, terrible advice. Moving on. <laughs> okay, fine. Agree to disagree. Yeah. The idea of like sleeping with somebody to get something off your chest is like, oddly, like that comes up in erotic fiction all the time when there's an attraction between two people. I just need to get it out of my system. And yes, then, once I just do it that one time. Yeah, I don't know why that's such a like, I don't know if that's a real thing people think. I don't think so. But you should it's a know. Weird... You're a doc. I mean, it's a trope that's used a lot in like literature and film, and it clearly never works out. So bad advice. Moving okay, on. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, uh, but you know what? I, I guess like what I was saying, like I don't want to be judgmental of that. Like we all have been infiltrated with the same messaging, right? So like the fact that people feel insecure about that is because they were receiving the exact same messaging that we've all been receiving, right? Like. People don't believe there's a threat unless they've been given reason to believe there's a threat, right? And well, I mean, we is that always true though? Because, like I said, my ex-partner, there were there was no threat. I mean, no threat. But right, she but what I'm was, you know, are you? Just, I mean, was she just crazy? <laughs> no, I'm. No, what I'm talking about is like the sort of cultural messaging, right? For instance, I started right, out. Well, I was just, just trying to get an answer to like, whether or not my ex-partner was crazy. So, you know. I know I could sense that. And I think my answer would be no. Right. Because <sighs> think, I'm not it saying that she, to think again, she was. I don't know. Part of it is about a person's personal history. Right. We did that whole episode on you've got baggage. I got badge. Right. Yeah, we all have yeah, personal you're right, insecurities. You're right, you're right. And some and sometimes those personal insecurities might amp up the volume. Right. On some of this. Right. So for somebody that's really insecure about this, that might have to do with other things that have happened or things in their life. But what I was talking about is like. We're all given this same messaging around like people who like that you shouldn't be friends or can't be friends with someone who you have the potential to be attracted to. Right. right? Like that that can't work. That's the messaging we've all been infiltrated with. And if everyone's been given or at least most people have been given that messaging, then it's not shocking that they would be worried about that because they've been sort indoctrinated. Of taught yeah, they've been indoctrinated into that line of thinking. I guess that's more of what I was talking about. That okay, it's not so surprising. Then, so I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what can we do to help unindoctrinate those people? Is that a thing? Unindoctrinate? Yeah, well, sure. Why not? Okay, we'll great. let it be for today. Thank you. So can we is there a way is it just like through communication through talking about it through is there a way that you can just give some thoughts on to how uh maybe to alleviate some of that stress yeah i mean like whenever we've been sort of um like we've internalized certain sets of like belief systems, right? Like, so for instance, you can't be friends with someone who you have the potential to be attracted to. Okay. That's probably maybe for some people, not all an internalized belief system, or somebody might believe that like about their partner. Yeah. I mean, I know it's so like repetitive, but yeah, probably the first thing that you need to do is to start talking about that, right? right? Like start talking about your fears and start like, so it really depends, like in terms of what to do, it probably depends really on which side of the issue you're on, right? Like 
So for the person that's feeling more insecure, right, you're going to have to start talking about that. For the person who's wanting maybe to be trusted more or to have the capacity to build friendships with, you know, people who are genders that they have the potential to be attracted to. And if they're running into problems with that, they're also going to probably have to do and start talking more and start advocating more for what they want. Right. And can I can I talk a little like I want to talk a little bit about that piece, right? Okay. That idea of advocating for what you want. I shall allow you, it. Great. Thank you. You get zero percent of what you don't ask for. Right. It's but one of my favorite of, things that you say because it's so true. Right. And so a lot of people have this tendency to not ask for or advocate or be assertive about what they want in relationships for fear of conflict or a desire to avoid conflict. But what happens is they end up sitting there feeling super resentful. And guess what happens? <laughs> conflict. Conflict. But, but a much more... I would say problematic style of conflict, right. right? Conflict that's driven by resentment because they feel like they're being trapped or they feel like they're being restrained or their like identity is being taken away from them in some kind of way. Sure. And so there is no perfect circumstance in which you just get to have what you want all the time without having to sometimes advocate for it and have some uncomfortable and difficult conversations in order to have it. Okay. And so if, if you're more on the end of somebody that's like, for instance, you know, I, the friend that I brought up earlier, right? Like someone like that is going to have to say and start talking about like, here's who I connect with better, right? Like here's who I connect with better. Here are the types of friendships that I like to have. And, you know, in, in an ideal world, people would start to talk about these things when they begin relationships with a romantic partner, right? Not like, you know, three years in. Like let them <laughs> discover, right? Oh, yeah. Right. And so, but you know, what's really interesting is that's not like, those are not like the nuance in-depth conversations that people often have when they're starting new romantic relationships. I mean, Jer like, honestly, Jeremy, how, can you think about like how many people, you know, or even yourself included that will like sit down in a romantic relationship and be like, all right, let's talk about your conceptualizations of friendships, right? And right. let's talk about like to you, what, what kind of friendships feel threatening versus what kind of friendships feel appropriate. What is, you know, within those friendships, what would you see as flirting versus platonic versus affectionate? I mean, that's some pretty in-depth dialogue. Yeah, that's a, that's a very in-depth dialogue. And I, I don't think it, you know, I don't really know anybody that's ever told me that they've done that, like at the beginning of their relationship to kind of like set those boundaries, unless they were people like in a poly relationship or, you know, more open relationship, that sort right. of thing, because that's like absolute requirements. But in, in you know, the everyday uh, relationships that most people have, not more, very more. often. It usually only happens like that conversation will happen after strife, you know, like it's like yeah. or during it. Yeah. I mean, in, in an ideal world, if I could like wave a wand for all of us, right, it would be that those are the type of dialogues we're having going right. in, right? right? Because some of this stuff is like, so let's even take the idea of flirtation. That is such a vague term, <laughs> right? It's very, it's and for very some vague. people, for some people, flirtation might mean different things. For some people, flirtation might be a totally acceptable part of friendships. For some people, it might not. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For some people, flirtation might be like, yeah, I totally flirt with my friends, but it doesn't ever go any further than that. But another person might see that flirtation and go, oh, well, that means it's going to go to place A, B, C, or D. Right. right. And then it's just the whole idea of like, what does flirting mean to you? You know, like we were saying earlier, like just a second ago, because like, 
to me, flirting is uh, flirting with somebody is is talking about you know being sexual with them and talking about sexy things. But to somebody else, that's you know that's not flirting could, at all. Like you know, it or, could just be being your charming self, right? Right, like because that, I am just that way. Yeah, it just could be that, right? Yeah. And so it gets really complicated really fast but that doesn't just because it's complicated doesn't mean you shouldn't talk about it it probably means the more complicated it is the more reason there would be to have like thoughtful dialogue about that so if you could wave your magic wand you would tell everybody that when you're starting out a relationship to really kind of sit down and have just a dialogue you know you're going to meet my friend kind of like you know when you're going to meet family because you always got to give disclosures with family you know what i mean it's like listen (laughs) my grandma's super racist okay we're only going to stay a few minutes because then she'll start talking about you know Horribly racist things, you know, and, you know, you give you like, you find what I'm saying, disclosures, right? Like my uncle's a drunk and like this thing. So you, you, but if you're going to meet somebody's friends, you go, look, sit down and talk a little bit about like, listen, I have this friend and I, you know, I just kind of want to get your ID. You're going to meet my friends. And these are people that I've known for many years. And uh, a couple of them are maybe a very attractive person who might be single. I just kind of want to know what your feelings are about that friendship because, you know, They've been friends for 20 years or, you know, what have you. And what do you think about that? And maybe it. So is that what you're saying? Like if you could mag- magic wand it? Yeah, it would like be that? I would. I mean, the people would start to have those conversations earlier. But even if you did it right, like so let's say somebody's listening and they're in an existing relationship and you're thinking right now, I don't know, me and my partner have ever really talked about friendships and like what we want or expect out of friendships or how we feel about what another's friendships like that might be a really good conversation to have rather than waiting for a problem to arise. And again, this may be an issue that for some couples never, ever, ever comes up because they're just conveniently on the same page about it. Right. Right. Or conveniently, um, neither party really feels threatened or neither party or one party or whoever doesn't really feel they don't really tend to be in friendships with people other than people that they don't have any propensity to be attracted to. Right. Right, So it doesn't come up, but there's plenty of other people where this is a problem. And the other thing is, is like some people listening could think like, yeah, if in my ideal world, like I really would love to have more friendships. And frankly, I would love to be able to have some friendships with, you know, people that, you know, my partner could find threatening. And I haven't even asked. I've assumed I've assumed that my partner wouldn't be OK with that because of maybe some of these social norms and some of these social expectations. And so rather than assuming, because <laughs> uh-huh, suggest- we all know what that means. Right. So rather than assuming, like thinking about like, you know, having some courage, bringing it up and having that dialogue, because guess what? A lot of people are lonely, particularly a lot of adults. A lot of adults as we age feel like one of the major complaints I get by adults, especially if you have kids and those kids are now a little older and people being like, I looked up, I'm in my thirties or forties or fifties and I have no friends. Right. Right. And, and it's Never a thought huge, about that way. Yeah. it is a huge problem that in adulthood, you know, as people age, like when we're younger, it's convenient. You're in school, you're around them all the time and you have these friends of convenience and like nearness. Right. Yeah. But as we age, we become more isolated because of life responsibilities. People become more insular with their families. And so people often aren't developing new friendships in adulthood. And it's much harder to build new friendships in adulthood than as a younger person. And this is a really common struggle 
for people and in terms of how it impacts their mental health. And the stuff that occurs within relationships is often a barrier to people doing that fear that it's going to create conflict with their existing partner because shifting over like to sort of the insecurities that it can create, right? A lot of times people feel very insecure about these things and feel as though their partner have like, we, we, we do this kind of cultural thing a lot around this idea of like oneness that you should be able to get all of your emotional and relational needs met from your romantic partner. But what we know and what we see is that, you know, having a independent world and an independent life outside of your partnership, which includes like good reliant friendships can really positively impact overall relational quality. Agreed. Like I don't understand. I was, I, I wanted to let you finish that statement because I, you know, you probably saw me like wiggling like a chihuahua, like all excited because I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's like, listen, it, yeah. It, yeah. Again, another social norm or like, you know, what we're taught, like your partner should be your best friend and your everything. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Of course. But if you have friends outside there with meaningful connections that, you know, I, I think I've said this in another podcast, like I have a gentleman, his name is Greg. He's the greatest. And we say we had a, a common law marriage in the state of New Jersey. Little known fact, Doc, about Jeremiah James there. And uh, we, you know, when I was married to my ex-wife, who I'm still, again, again, best friends with, she's an incredible rock star of a woman, um, you know, she wasn't into video games. Silly example, right? Not her thing. Greg loved video games, didn't love to play video games, but he loved to watch me play video games and be the guy who was like, by the way, there's an extra life over there, turn left. And then he'd be the guy to figure out the puzzles, because unless you can't tell, I'm not into that. I like the action. I don't like the puzzles, right? So we would play video games together. So I would get everything that I needed from him in that way. Like we would play video games together. We could drink together. We watch football together, right? And then I got everything from my wife that was, you know, everything you would want in a, in a personal relationship. And it helped my personal relationship with my ex-wife. We even talk about it to this day as buddies, you know, having that balance and that really a uh, wonderful friendship outside of my marriage or relationship or partnership was so helpful. So helpful. I just, so I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm very passionate about that. I think, you know, if people have friends outside that, you know, you, you find that way to wave your magic wand doc and have everybody talk in the beginning and they set, you know, up their boundaries and they talk about things and they go in depth and then have friends on the outside, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing. And yeah. that's and, it. Vote for Jeremiah. Yeah. Well, and I think that most people, if you're willing to have some difficult conversations, tolerate some difficult feelings, right? Like that a lot of people can get there. And and again, it usually drastically impre like it's like I think part of when I said earlier, like advocating for what you want and what you need is like being honest with somebody about like, I'm really lonely or I'm having a really hard time or I really feel and want friendships and here are the people that I feel like I connect with better and that's really real for me. And rather than talking about like, why are you being so insecure that I can't just do this? Talking more about like, here's what I think that would do for me. Right. Like talking more about like how it would help you, how it would aid you, because usually a partner that cares about you is going to be much more apt to listen to that and to hear that and be empathic to that than you like being like, well, you're just insecure. Or you're just so jealous. Right. Like that just puts someone on the defensive. Right. Totally. So, 
So rather than talking about what your partner might be doing wrong, talk about what you need, what you want, and why you think that would help improve your quality of life and maybe also the quality of your relationship. And as the partner, if somebody's struggling with some insecurity around that, also asking yourself, could that improve things for me as well? Like, for instance, if my partner had a friend, let's say my partner, I don't know, let's say my partner... Uh, I don't know, went and hung out with his buddy Rick, right? Like that would be somebody that, you know, she could talk to uh, about data analysis with because, you know, she comes home and she chats with me about it and it is so boring to me. Yep, but those two love talking about it, right? Yep. Like sharing those things that maybe really sharing those like mm, relational duties that are maybe not ones that you enjoy yeah. <laughs> as much. That someone else out there might actually get something of. That's right. Because you, I mean, at the end of the day, right, like trust is something that requires work, right? It's not just some this inherent thing that just like magically happens. You have to work. Like trust is an active state, not a passive state. And I've talked many times in this podcast about how trust is something that occurs in the absence of information, not in the face of it, right? Trust can only be developed by giving people some freedom, giving people some space and trying to trust that they're going to be good to you, that they're going to treat you as you want to be treated. Um, so, you know, I could go on forever like that, you know, and I know so we have I, to listen, end soon. I think that we can recap this perfectly here, okay? Because I think we've changed the world. Right. Well, but can I, I have a couple more things? Can I say those things, please? Quick. Listeners, this really is not a bit. I mean, to make this very clear. This is not like a, a written bit. She really, I'll come to the wrap up and she literally will try <laughs> Just, but these things are important. Well, it's like I just I'm, we're wrapping up. I'll give her the signal. I want to talk about some up. other things that people can do. Can okay, I? more. All give right. them more. All right, I'll let you tell your stories. Let me. <laughs> oh my um, god. Um, one of the other things that I think is always helpful is to challenge gender biases. Right, this belief that all people in the same gender group are going to behave the same way is preposterous. Right, not all women are going to behave the same way. Not all men are going to behave the same way. Not all non-binary people are going to behave one way. It's not helpful, and it's really inaccurate. Right, like we made that. What was was that episode where you were reading the piece from the uh, who was it? Ellen Creedman's yes, Creedman's sex book, advice book was so good. Right. You know, and it was this very narrow view of gender that like every single man's going to behave the same or right. Like everybody's going to behave the same way. That's just simply, you know, there's so much variability. Right. So just because some men maybe couldn't be attracted to someone or couldn't be friends with someone they may have the propensity to be attracted to or some woman couldn't do that doesn't mean that other people can't. Okay, Got it. That's one thing. And then the other thing that I want to say before we end is just. Sometimes, right, like sometimes in life you can't, we've talked about this, relationships are a risk, right? Like sometimes people do develop stronger feelings for one another and that can't always be prevented, right? It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. Every relationship is a risk, romantic, friendship, whatever. There are no guarantees. And so sometimes people get hurt and all you can do is your best to be mature, thoughtful, communicative, honest. And that's it, right? Part of navigating some of these issues we're talking about is a belief in your own resilience, right? That like no matter what happens, you're going to have the capacity to get through it. That is all. Thank you. That was actually quite beautiful. Well, thank you, Jeremiah. It really was. I'm going to listen back to that because I really loved that little, that, that was really lovely. 
Thank you, Doc. Well, you are welcome, Jeremy. Well, everybody, that's all we have for you today. We hope that you are all staying safe and healthy. And of course, always want to thank all those people out there that are uh, taking care of us because COVID is going crazy again. So please be kind to one another. Take other people into consideration. Think about your community and, uh, you know, social distance and all those good things and wear a mask and always be grateful to those who are taking care of us. So take care of each other. Be kind. And we will be talking to you all again next week. Thank you, Doc, for all that you do. That really was beautiful. And all that you do for so many people, especially right now with all the stresses and the elections and the this and the COVIDs and the thing. I appreciate you coming on and doing this with me, even though you look like you got hit by a truck, exhausted, tired. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jeremiah. You're welcome. You always know just how to make me feel better. (laughs) I do what I can. I'm a giver. Thank you. You you are. (laughs) Take care, everybody. Bye, Doc. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. And special thanks to our new associate producer, Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com.